like, okay, I'll play a role. And the role was Chantel, but I sucked. I really sucked. Nobody wanted to employ my services. And I had put lipstick on and tried to make myself look this way. And I remember a moment like after, and there's like men coming through consistently. There's like 50 men I'd met and not one of them said me. I was like, well, why isn't this working? And I thought, well, I'm trying to be something I'm not. So I wiped the lipstick off and I'm just going to go out there. And I just said to this guy, he told me he was new. He'd never been into a brothel. He just, or he had, his wife had blessed him a year ago. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've never done this before. And I laughed. I said, either have I. Like I said, <laughs> I'm so brand new to this. I don't even know if I can go upstairs and do what you want. Like I said, I don't know. Like, and he booked me. And the funny thing is, There was no sex with that man. That man just laid there and cried his eyes out. This is Unconditioning. Discovering the voice within. With Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of Unconditioning. Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week I have with me Amber Lee J. Amber Lee is from Australia. She is a mother, an NLP practitioner, and she's also a coach where she helps people leverage their social media by accessing their authenticity and their authentic voice. She also has a background in acting. And through sex work, she met her husband in sort of an Australian pretty woman story. I met Amberly about a year ago. We connected on a Facebook group and we chatted back and forth and eventually decided to have a video call that lasted over two hours. Amberly is one of the most authentic people that I've ever met. She is full of energy and also wisdom bombs. And we're getting real authentic within this. Um, Amber Lee is breastfeeding her newborn baby throughout this conversation. So trigger warning if you have a problem with nature. All right, here is Amber Lee J. Hey. Hello. How are you? Oh, baby. Hello, Whitney. Hi. Oh, she's so precious. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. This is my reality now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like back to square one, but that's okay. You look fantastic. I feel really good. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for being yeah. patient in the time that it worked. She might. <laughs> let's see if I can get her while we're talking. I hope you don't, you might end up with a nipple slip. <laughs> <laughs> I give you a heads up. That's um, totally okay. It's I'll see okay. if I can feed her because she's she's at that point. She's fighting me. Are you? They're um they're funny little buggers, babies. Um, they <laughs> when they're first born, they're all about the milk. Yeah. Yeah. And then sudden they're like, oh no, this is what I want. I want my own independence. And um, thank you for being understanding. Of course. I know when you become a mama, you. I didn't get it until I became a mother. Yeah. I used to think. When I worked in retail when I was younger, I was like, control your children. You know? <laughs> Get a hold of them and you can't. Like I've learned that with my son. Hang yeah. On. Yeah. I used to be a nanny also, by the way, for a lot oh. of different families. And so that was probably the best birth control ever for me is because yes. I know how much work it is. So mm-hmm. I agree. My brother came when I was 17 mm. and I never had sex until I was like 21. 
like <laughs> because I was terrified. I know yeah. it too well. Yeah, I I can relate to that. Yep. Yeah, I, I was, I was like... afraid. I was so afraid. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah, I love so... it. Absolutely. So let me just give you permission. Hold permission. You can ask me anything. There okay. is nothing that's that it really isn't. I'm not going to have like a Paris Hilton moment, and <laughs> you know that you can't talk about this. That's I don't think there's good. anything that I'm uncomfortable with, <laughs> to be honest. So that's yeah. a, that's a work in progress, but yeah. Yeah. So how are you doing in general? You're in Australia, right? How has yeah. that been during the pandemic time and having a baby? And that's a lot. Oh, let me tell you, it <laughs> has been crazy. And let me explain why. So um, I found out that I was pregnant two weeks after the lockdown occurred in Australia. So Australia went into a, I was at a festival called Freedom Fest and it was actually the first, last festival of a thousand people together. And mm. when we were in the audience, it scared the hell out of me because half the audience was from New Zealand. Oh. And they came in and announced that the New Zealand prime minister had made the decision if nobody's back in their country in the next 36 hours, they'll have to go into two weeks quarantine. So half the audience disappeared, like in minutes, they just disappeared, got their planes rebooked, they went. And then my husband, because at the time, well, I didn't know I was pregnant, but my husband was home with my two-year-old said, I was meant to come home a couple of days later. He's like, I need you to come home because I don't know if they're going to stop us from flying from state to state. Yeah. And so when I came back, I was freaking out and I was freaking out because I come from a traumatic background of abuse. And I was worried that this lockdown situation was going mm. to reignite these behaviors that I used to have. And then I, and then I discovered also that I was pregnant on March. So this was like March 12th and on March wow. 22nd was my husband's 35th birthday. And I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and I was excited because one of the things that had happened previously is my body chose to miscarry mm. and I lost the baby that I was carrying. And you know, so that was exciting. It was on my husband's 35th birthday. And then we found out because the doctor was worried I was having, well, not worried, but concerned I had twins because I had mm. such high hormone levels after my body chose to miscarry. And then we, well, well I was freaking out. I was going to have twins and I was going through this process. Then I found out, no, but the baby was due. My daughter was due on my mother-in-law's deceased birthday. Oh. So like it was all these amazing things that were happening despite what was going on in the world. And I really took a moment, like I was concerned. And then I realized like, this is no different to when you have a baby. When you have a baby, when the baby's born, you're in lockdown. You right. can't go out and do anything. You're basically throwing your hands up. You no longer do the things that make you feel good. And I realized, well, it's just in the universe has given me this in preparation for it. And yeah. I thought, because if I have one child, now I'm going to have a second one. It's going to be amplified. Yeah, right. like absolutely yeah. amplified. So even when the more restrictions came in, so here in Melbourne, Australia, we got more restrictions. What I mean by that, we weren't allowed to leave our house after six o'clock at night. Wow. We weren't allowed to leave. We were allowed to leave for one hour a day. Um, so there was like, there was extreme things. And because I was able to frame it in a way that, okay, this is just getting me ready for when a baby was come. It removed like the tra trauma from it all. Mm. And I was okay with it. Like I kept just being flexible because one of the things I've learned and Whitney, you, you'd have to agree. It's like the person with the most flexibility always wins. Wow. 
Yeah. And so having myself permission really just to throw my hands up and go, okay, universe, you can guide me, you can take me, it's okay. All right. Can we just acknowledge how much like work you've had to do to get to the point to be able to be that flexible? Because you can just say, uh, I'm just being flexible, but that <laughs> that's so not right. so easy. <laughs> Oh, it's, and you're so right. I, and I don't acknowledge the time that I've done in the work. Like one of the best things I've ever done is I come from an acting background. And so I went into acting and I've always wanted to follow it. But when you learn to train as an actor, you have to learn to be flexible. You learn. It's not easy. Like you said, I remember like there was times that I couldn't even say the words clearly on the stage. And I remember I stood there unable to have the words come out in acting class. I stood there for 10 minutes trying to get the words and they couldn't come out. And I cried my eyes out while I was trying to get these words out and I refused to. But each time I showed up, the words would slowly come out a little bit more. And so now I have this freedom and this flexibility, but it's about consistently showing up. And even if it's like, what we're doing that many people don't see is if you think about Michelangelo's work, David, it's chipped from stone and we chip away at that. And he chipped away to create David. It wasn't this. Right. And so that's what we are. We're chipping away at the, the stone that we've cast around ourselves to survive. And that's the authenticity piece. And we just chip at it a little bit, 1% today. In 100 days, it's a, there's a 100% difference to what it was 100 days ago. Yeah, absolutely. So just to go back to the beginning of you a little bit, to get to how your story has progressed over the years, I have a question for you. I usually ask everyone, when was the first moment that you realized that you had an inner authentic voice of your own can you remember Whoa. like in your childhood or it wasn't affected you weren't affected by your environment or your family it was just like this is me and i know who i am i love that you asked this question it's at 11 11 a.m here in australia <laughs> So it's like this big, like, whoa, whoa, that, <laughs> let me take a moment and think, wow, that I've never, I've had it since I was a little child. I remember this feeling that would overtake me and I didn't understand it. And it was beautiful and sincere and light. Like it was so light, but I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And I remember the moment tears are coming back to me as I realized this is that I was sitting in the car and I was very young and my mom and dad had decided to get divorced mm. and I asked my mom like why isn't daddy here anymore and my mom turned around and said um that it's not we can't have daddy here it just doesn't work anymore like she was giving adult reasonings yeah and I knew that that wasn't right like I knew it wasn't right and I wanted to know more but she kept questioning me about it like she'd dismiss it mm. she would dismiss it and I understand now like as an adult I look back at that memory in the rear view mirror I saw my mother with a black eye mm. so she made a choice to forgo what everything else was to make sure that we were safe because I look back at the behaviors and the interaction my father's had throughout the life it's toxic like a, and that's because he's hurting it's not judgment it's just because he comes from a toxic background so we repeat those things mm. but it wasn't until 
I struggled with my eating disorder. Uh, I'm not, well, the eating disorder I had because I don't want to identify it with anymore because it's not a part of who I am. In my 20s that I started realizing that there's many voices in my head mm-hmm. and I had to really get questioned like, well, the voice that's real to me only comes from a place of love. Like it never says anything mean or spiteful. It's only come from a place of love and it's quiet and it's calm and it has certainty. But it took time, like from that moment with my mother where I dismissed it and, you know, consistently all the time being told when I questioned things because I knew authentic, knew that there was something wasn't right, that I dismissed it, that I had to basically create an eating disorder which sounds bizarre for me to reconnect so that's my blessing like I love to look at things Whitney and reflect well even though these things have happened what is the gift that they've given me and the disordered eating gave me the gift of owning my authentic voice the voice that's real to me right like to be Buddhist about it turn poison into medicine yes yeah 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 Wow. Your eating disorder, what was it based on? Like you felt like you needed to appear a certain way or were you more depriving yourself of nutrients because of like you didn't value yourself? That's such a good question. So the moment that this happened is when I was 17, my dad and I were having an argument on the phone and my dad was distant, very distant throughout our lives. He picked and chose when he wanted to come in. And it was interesting because I was doing my final exams to go into university and we had a disagreement and my dad didn't like my mom and my mom's partner and he used to belittle her and I would defend my my dad and my mom, of course. And I'd been working the last year for him because he lived overseas and he promised me money for my graduation dress. And he turned around and said, am I okay to swear on here? I hope you don't Yeah, mind. absolutely. Like, Go for it. <laughs> so he turned around and told me that my mom was a fucking slut. Now, in that moment, I was like, how dare you say that when you pick and choose when you come out of my life? But my mother, despite her complications of where she's at, she's continuously showed up. And so I said, you can't, I defended it. You can't say that about my mom. I, and, and I swore back and then he said to me, there's half your money gone. And I said, I don't care about the money. I said, I don't care. You can keep your fucking money. You can stick the money where the, you know, the sun doesn't fucking shine. That's like a real Australian thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he said, did you know that you're not my daughter? And I just went, what? And I remember the moment he said that to me because I look different to my sisters but we're the same. And my sisters were skinny. My sisters were skinny, whereas I, and I'm not big by any means, but I have a woman's body. Mm-hmm. Whereas my sisters were sticks. And I actually took that in and I couldn't speak. And I thought at that moment, what makes me different? And it was that. So I started to starve myself because I thought if, my, if I was pretty enough and skinny enough, maybe my dad would own me. And then that overtook me and that my whole basis of life was based, here comes the baby, based on, um, based on my physicality and how other people saw me. Are you going to say hello? Hi. <laughs> this is the reality now. 
is <laughs> you are talking now, aren't you? Yeah. Is that hey? Is that that's even one of the reasons why I went to acting because okay. I thought if I was successful as an actor, that people would see me as beautiful, and then maybe I would give myself to see myself as like that permission yeah. piece mm-hmm. to be beautiful as well. Oh. Well, you're beautiful too. <laughs> She's talking. That's, she taught me about beauty, actually. That's yeah. the gift of pregnancy. Yeah. So, how did you get to love your body authentically? Wow. That's a good question, too. Pregnancy. I know it sounds strange. My first pregnancy, no. With my son, I hated it. But something clicked within me when I found out I was having a daughter. So I found at 12 weeks, I was having a little girl and I realized (laughs) you are talking the ripple effect. And I know I have a NLP background. So timeline therapy, we learned that, and and this is scientific fact that things can be um, passed through the womb, the feelings of a mother. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Anger, sadness, joy, even beliefs are passed through the womb. And I said to myself, there is no way my daughter is going to carry this belief. Right. So I went and I knew Whitney in the back of my mind for years. Like I've been struggling for this for 20 years and bulimia. And I wasn't, I got to a point that I'd stopped vomiting, but I was over-exercising and under-eating to maintain my weight, and which is a form of bulimia. And so what happened is I... Whoa, I what I knew in the back of my mind is that I needed to work with somebody that was that worked like a psychologist that worked with people with eating disorders and a dietitian because I knew my ideas around food were wrong. Right. And as soon as I seeked that help, within a month I was cured. And I hate to say the cure because it's not like necessarily like that, but I knew what I needed to do but I needed to have a scaffolding around me that supported me, that allowed me to change my thinking because it comes back to that authentic voice. I had other voices, like I talk about Prisha perfectionist. She loves to be perfect. She wants to be beautiful. She wants to be seen. And she's just the little me in me, like the girl in me that wanted my dad's and my mother's approval and thought perfection was the key. Well, I got to learn that Prisha is not the voice that leads me. Mm. And when she comes up, she's a, she's amazing when she comes up when I'm stressed because she allows me to know that I'm feeling vulnerable right now. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I have conversations with her all the time, like I do with my children, is that it's okay to be vulnerable because the one thing that I seek most from anyone in this world is vulnerability. And so wouldn't other people want that from me too? Right. Were you able to play with that vulnerability with your acting? Wow. I wish I could now about the kids, but I do it in my message online. So I have a presence online and I have, like, I utilize, I leverage social media to make money. And what I love about it is that I consistently get to authentically show up online. And it's what's rewarding about it with me. Yes, I make an income from it, but people reach out into my inbox mm-hmm. and they tell me, Thank you for giving me permission to own this or that they share. Like for me, something else is that I had a background in sex work and a year ago I revealed that. I had five women that reached out to me that were connected to me in some way. I had no idea. 
that they had that background and they said thank you I actually had a discussion with my husband about this or with another person and I've never shared anybody this secret Mm -hmm. how does that feel to be so vulnerable and connect with people and, and have that affect them it's satisfying and what I mean by that is like everything that my heart was searching for Right. It's like it it means I matter and that other people matter and that they're seen. And for me, like the greatest gift I can give any soul that I ever meet is that they that they feel like they're seen, heard and felt. Mm-hmm. How did you maintain your authenticity within the sex work? Well, that's a good one too. Um I sucked trying to play a role. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first night. So I fell into this because I owed a $10,000 debt to the Australian government. And they told me, like in Australia, um, sex work is legal. And I was trying to earn money while I was at university and the government was giving me a pay, like money. They'll give me money. And I lied because there wasn't enough money. So they were investigating me. And I Googled brothels, Melbourne. Four days later, I was working in a brothel. Four days later, I didn't even know what I was doing. Whitney, I, I, and then what happened, I was trying to play this role. One of the women said to me, you know, when I come in the door, I put on Imogen and when I leave, I'm Paige, right? And she said, I play a role. And I was like, okay, I'll play a role. And the role was Chantel, but I sucked. I really sucked. Nobody wanted to employ my services. And I had put lipstick on and tried to make myself look this way. And I remember a moment like after, and there's like men coming through consistently. There's like 50 men I'd met and not one of them said me. I was like, well, why isn't this working? And I thought, well, I'm trying to be something I'm not. So I wiped the lipstick off and I'm just going to go out there. And I just said to this guy, he told me he was new. He'd never been into a brothel. He just, or he'd had, his wife had blessed him a year ago. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've never done this before. And I laughed. I said, neither have I. Like I said, <laughs> I'm so brand new to this. I don't even know if I can go upstairs and do what you want. Like I said, I don't know. Like, and he booked me. And the funny thing is there was no sex with that man. That man just laid there and cried his eyes out. and talked about how he wished he was a different man because his wife left him because he he made the commitment to his work rather than to his wife you know and that's what it came like yeah there might have been people would book me for an hour and there was maybe sex for 10 minutes but then we'd be laughing in the room like there was clients that would bring me like um chinese to eat or we were watching (laughs) like series and and so i that's how i could show up that's how i was a success was just being me and not and that's why I sucked as an actor I have to be honest like well one because I let Prisha run the show Prisha perfectionist but the other was I was trying to be something I wasn't mm-hmm. and I and I feel like everyone in this world and you would agree to this have been born to be just them right there's no other option yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, and because you chose to be authentic, you met your husband through this, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I remember I wrote about this the other day because I revealed it a year ago, terrified of it. And then I wrote about it. I shared um, how me having permission to share online about the sex work that had happened, like me being as a sex worker, it gave my husband permission to share with me that he'd been sexually abused when he was younger, something that he'd never told anyone his entire life. 
which is fascinating because I know I thought I knew my husband because he'd shared everything to that point but when I met him like it's bizarre who would think it was pretty woman in that way that I walked into a room I walked into this room and I had this feeling for Lebanese men and my husband's Maltese <laughs> but he looked to me he looked like this dark stallion mm-hmm. and I saw the whole universe in his eyes wow. like there was so much more to him authenticity like me being authentic and me trying to be because I wanted to impress him like I, I was like trying to be some sophisticated woman and I did like Bridget Jones moment and I fell in his lap <laughs> and then the authenticity came back out again like I was like laughing I was like That's something that we do when you pay me upstairs. I shouldn't be in your lap right now. And then what happened is like, you're making a fool out of yourself. So I stormed out and I swear he must've thought I was on something. And then what happened is that authentic voice you talk about like that, it said to me, you need to go back in there and tell him that you want to fuck him. And I was like, what? You can't say that. You cannot tell anybody that. And it's like, you have to do it. And I went to walk the other way like to walk away and then it was like no I can't I cannot resist that so I walked into the room and I said to him I want to fuck you okay see you bye and left like because <laughs> I'd never said that to any other human being before and I remember the receptionist loved it because somebody else had booked me and so I had to go upstairs with the client for 30 minutes and then I kept saying to the receptionist did he book me did he book me did this guy book me did he book me and then they're like no and then I came down because it was upstairs I'd come down the stairs and there he was he was waiting like waiting for me and he kept coming back in and I'd given him my number I'd broken a rule like I gave him my number like I want to spend time with you outside here and he didn't and I remember what happened is like he came in like about the fifth or sixth time I said I'm annoyed at you and he's like why are you annoyed at me and I was like well, you said you're going to ring me and you never said you're going to, you never did it. So I don't want anything to do with you. And I was in the room, like sulking, tidying up because you have to tidy up the room ready for mm. next people. He rang me on my phone and I was like, what's this phone number? And and I, I didn't. And then I saw, and I looked behind me and he was on his phone. I was like, well, if he's on his phone, I'm going to be on my phone too. You know, like, you know, when you get real. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hello, Emily speaking. Cause my working name was Chantel. And he's like, Hey, this is Brent. And like, and I knew it was hit. Like, and we're having a conversation and he invited me on my first date, like in the room in that moment. And, it, and it's just been really sweet. Like, all because I gave myself permission to follow my authentic voice, even though I was terrified to say that to another man, like to a man, even though I knew I was selling my body to people. Like, at that time, I was still terrified to say it. And because I gave myself the permission, I have a Cinderella life. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, I've been searching to have a family and now I've made my own family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're attracting everything that you were craving that you didn't have because you chose to be authentic. Oh, Thank you. She has a patient. preference. <laughs> oh, I wish she didn't, but today she does. Which well, is okay. That's okay. We all have preferences. That's part yes, of our authenticity, do. right? <laughs> the problem is, it doesn't fit, like in your mind as a parent, you're like, it doesn't fit into my time factor. But, you know, that's the thing about kids. They're always returning you to back to authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are nothing but authenticity, yeah, bundles of yeah. them. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're right. So you you work with people now and coach them to find their authenticity pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can you describe what it is you do a little bit? Oh, well, what I do, which is interesting, I help people leverage social media to make money. And what I like about it, but it's also aligned with affiliation with a 50-year-old company. But what I really enjoy about it, it's a transformational experience. And every woman that I've worked with, I've got a couple of men that I work with too, but they've learned to own their own authentic voice. Mm. And so some of them are continuous with this affiliation with the company, which they absolutely love, or some of them, which blows my mind, are now channeling source and that they're giving words of wisdom to people that they weren't connected to. And it's like that authentic voice permission. Like for me, like I come back to like how I found Cinderella because I said, yes, it's, I feel like my role is with this piece that I do is that I give everybody permission to say yes without fear and no without guilt. Mm, that's, that's good. And you're, you're teaching people what you've learned along the way also. Yeah. I never thought about it like that, but it is. It's pretty fantastic. Um, so where could people find your work? Like if they wanted to follow you or figure out how they can leverage their social media. I love it. So it's my name, Amberly J. So A-M-B-E-R-L-E-E-J-A-A-Y. I'm thinking is my accent <laughs> getting in the way, but it's my name, Amberly J. And I'm on Facebook and social media. And I run my business through my personal account. I have a professional page, but I love through my personal account because the people that I work with are my soul tribe. And what I mean by that is that the people I say every day, I love you. And they say it in back. And so in another form, I found another family. I always felt like, I hate to use this, like that metaphor, but everybody knows the analogy is black sheep. Mm -hmm. you know yeah. like and and I feel the more that you align with your authentic voice you get categorized as the black sheep right and but really you're not a black sheep you're showing all the colors that are within you so you're a colorful rainbow sheep and what I love about what I do is that they're my family they're my soul sisters and soul brothers and another aspect of the family that I was searching for. And it all came from just aligning back to my authentic voice. Yeah. Also talking about family, the one that you have and have created, how are you nudging them in the right direction to follow their authentic voice? having had the background and even maybe a little bit trauma in your past how are you able to show are do you have like a specific goal in mind i constantly have to throw my hands in the air like that because i, I was listening to something beautiful today and the woman was noel and she shared that um, the reason why most of us discern our voice because it's we're wanting to fit in the clan and you know that that's about like survival is the tribe and our parents and family silenced our voices because 
if we didn't align, and then they would be ostracized and they mm -hmm. weren't there. So it's really about just continuously throwing my hands in the air and allowing my children to be how they want to be and not how I think they should be. So for example, like my grandfather is 89, he's almost 90 and he's very old school. The children shouldn't be seen. They should be quiet, you know, and if they mm -hmm. are, they're quiet. And, and even like this, I remember my grandfather, like the kids weren't allowed to eat the, the cakes that were baked that day. The children had to eat the old cakes. Like it's just that real old school mentality. And we went and visited my grandfather. And what happened is he didn't like the noises that my son was making. Like he was making the noises of a dinosaur. My son has gone through this stage that he yeah. loves being a dinosaur. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I'm not going to silence that. No, no. I can say there's inside voices and outside voices, but if he wants to, and he's not screaming in my grandpa's ear, and my grandpa doesn't even have hearing. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like I'm like, his hearing is gone. You get what I mean? I do. But he turned around and said to him like to be quiet and I said no I'm not like you need to tell your son to be quiet. I'm not going to tell my son to be silent there was even another example when we were at the market recently and my son because I had a home birth at home my son knows the anatomy he knows how it works like and he talked around and said my baby sister came from my mummy's vagina. That's like he says, right? And, and it's funny. And then he said, I'm growing a baby boy in my tummy. And this woman turned around and said, no, you're not. You don't have a baby in your tummy. Boys don't have babies. And my son is three. Right. And I turned around and said, no, Dion, if you want to grow a baby, you can have a baby growing in there. And she went to judge me. You know, she's like, well, you're one of those people. And I said, yeah, I am one of those people. See, my son is three. I'm not going to to stop his voice or his imagination. Mm -hmm. So if people come and say things that, you know, it's not, I can't protect him from the outside world, but when people come up, that's not in alignment with what I believe, I now speak up. Whereas before I had children, I probably didn't. I just internalized it. And there was a beautiful thing that I learned. Like I would internalize it so I didn't cause fires outside. But therefore, it caused a fire within me. Mm. And that's what my children have given me, my voice, so that when I don't agree with something, I say no, rather than trying to keep the peace. Yeah, give you a fire behind your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you realize it's not like, it's funny because you realize it's more than just you. You know, and that's my, and I'm, I'm always in awe of women that, before they even have children or choose not to have children and they know that but it was for me the piece was I had to have children to recognize the ripple effect yeah we're all connected you're right yeah so I have a question if your inner voice had a billboard what would it say to the world it's so loud when you're in comparison to you. I love it. Because just to come, I love it. And my and I want to scream out, own it. Like own it. That's my big thing. Like, you know how Mike said, just do it? Mine is own it. As soon as you own the crap and your role in the crap. And what I mean by that is that we all have a role to play in the things that have happened to us. We can transform it into the lesson, to the blessing to the fire that ignites us and that fire enables us to create the life of our choosing 
Hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. Own it. Everyone, own it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this. I want to let you get back to your baby. She's she's asleep, which is <laughs> nice. But I, I just want to honor you. And what I mean by that is that we've known each other for almost a year now. Wow. And the transformation that I've seen in you, like you've owned it. Continuously oh, growing and transforming and stepping into your life. I just for the listeners, like we met a year ago because we were part of a, a Facebook group and we ended up chatting a lot and then we decided to have a video call and I think we ended up talking for about two hours. <laughs> and so you're incredibly full of sunshine and so I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and what you're you're sharing. What I've come to learn is only together that we can mm -hmm. thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Just follow your heart. Like it might be hard, it might be complicated and it doesn't make sense, but it brings the joy, the joy that you're seeking and that all that pain that you think through the discomfort, one of my friends calls it fun comfort, like you're changing and evolving, comes everything that you're searching for. Fun oh, that's a brilliant word. I want to live in that. Mm-hmm. Mm Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time... Stay tuned in to you.